there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of 1% Better, episode 115 to be precise. And things are definitely taking off a little bit more in the whole world of 1% Better, but also in podcasting in general. In the last week, I did the first podcast workshop to... 15, I think, attended in the uh, Cork International Hotel. Went down really well. Great feedback, great interaction. Thank you for those who have uh, attended and who are giving feedback and uh, hopefully are starting diving into your own podcast journey, kicking it off, getting it going, getting clear on your why you're doing it, and hopefully have tools now to, to do it from a how perspective. So good luck with that. Definitely plan to do more of those. The three hours that I did that night just flew by too quickly and I think we only covered probably 70% of what we planned to but gave people enough to, to get started. So looking to do more um, both in person, uh, maybe in Cork, maybe in Dublin, other other locations and also potentially doing the online course when I get around to it, get it getting back into my own location, studio and having the proper equipment to do it. Hence, I'm still recording these intros on my ATR 2100. So that was the workshop it was actually on Cork Community Radio at the weekend as well. That was good. Just talking about podcasting and giving folks a bit of an insight into the story and, and how and why they should get started. So hopefully folks might have check that out if not uh, i might put it up at some point on the site last week's episode was day one release download numbers type thing was the most since the very first episode back in march 2017 which is mad um maybe because of the topic sleep sleep is something that we all probably look to get better at and if there's any areas that we can improve our environment at home to get better sleep maybe that's something you could take from the episode Matty Verges or Verges was the guest uh, sleep expert things I took from it making your room quiet like a cave dark as a cave and the idea of if you wake up during the night not to stay in bed tossing and turning till you get back asleep after 30 minutes maybe just get out of your bedroom and walk around, read for half an hour and go back to the bedroom because you're not being asleep in the bed builds up a, a negative sentiment towards being in the bed. So lots of uh, interesting facts and science behind sleep that you should check out in last week's episode. I would encourage you to do so. This week's episode is with a gentleman called Murray Newlands. He's a marketing powerhouse. He's an entrepreneur, an investor, business advisor, speaker, and he has near on 2 million followers on Twitter. Not saying that that is a, a mark of uh, success, but it certainly has certainly a lot of following and a lot of influence as a result. During our conversation, we talked about how you can maximize your value in the work you do, whether it is in blogging or writing or within organizations. Looking at what you do, setting goals, making them incremental goals, very much aligned to the 1% better mindset and going day by day towards that. And what was fascinating talking to Murray was the amount of unexpected benefits he obtained as a result of setting a goal, for example, blogging twice a day for two years, but all the things that came out of that that he never really expected. I can certainly relate to that from the podcasting perspective. He is currently uh, living in the States in uh, around Silicon Valley working in a company called Turing which focuses on 
remote talent sourcing working from anywhere for large uh, organizations in the areas of software development very interesting business model he's very keen on giving something back helping others be successful and that's why he was a perfect guest for for this podcast and um, hopefully it's one you will enjoy i really enjoy talking to murray and if you're going to take something out of it know you'll focus in on your best value how you can deliver that uh, and also the idea of stepping outside your comfort zone facing fears and knowing that there's a fine balance between fear and excitement so there you go lots of interesting stuff links to murray in the show notes and as always please do help me further expand the reach of the podcast uh share it out let folks know about it and if you do want to connect in relating to podcast consulting put a a workshop on or have an idea for a podcast just drop me an email rob at robofthegreen.ie i would absolutely love to talk with you and i'll leave it there enjoy this one with murray newlands and have a great week ahead and weekend and we'll talk to you next week take care and good luck Hey folks, welcome to another episode of 1% Better and this one I'm looking forward to talking with my guest Murray Newlands about a a slew of different topics. Murray, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. You can hear me nice and clearly. You're in uh, Palo Alto? Or in in Sil- Alto, California, yes. Very good, very good. But obviously, from your accent, that's not where you're originating from. So we'll get into into that. So, Murray, yesterday morning uh, I was up early and on, on Twitter wasting a few minutes of my day, and I noticed the tweet that uh, you put out. I, it was kind of timely. Uh, you said, every goal has that has ever been reached began with just one step and the belief that it could be attained. So... This show is called 1% Better, so it's incremental improvements as well. So I thought it tied in nicely. And on that one, is that something you've always believed? Where did it kind of you come to the determination that that's how goals are achieved and uh, you you know reach that with those kind of criteria? You know, I now have a uh, I now have a two and a half year old, and having a uh, having a child uh, makes you also reflect back on your childhood and where you started out and where you've uh, where you've come to um so i uh i've done many things uh in in my long and very career it's uh, it's meandered in many different directions i started out um i wasn't the best um most academic uh student um but i um i really just persevered through uh through school um but i ended up going to school for law and became a uh, became a solicitor then i that is a that was a six year process, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of uh, a lot of hard work to get there. I would never have thought that when I started out that I might end up achieving that. I just I didn't know what I wanted to do, and some of my friends were going to do law, and so I also joined them in in that. Um, and then I would say that throughout my career, I've I've managed to achieve lots of different things, and it's it really is that just that approach of of one day at a time. Um, this year, for example, uh, 2019, um, I wanted to get uh, get fit and get into shape. So I've lost since the beginning of the year. I've lost 22 pounds. Oh, um, and and that's been by working out every day and and changing my diet. So I work out for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening, and um, I'm a lot fitter than I was. And it's really the process of taking those each each day. So okay. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do this exercise. I'm going to eat better. And those tiny little incremental steps um, are, is the path for for achieving success. 
no one gets overnight success just instantly. It doesn't just instantly happen. Or we read about that. That's the dream, but it, it's it's not it's not how we traditionally get there. So, for example, I've written for Forbes, Time, The Guardian, uh, Inc., Entrepreneur. Um, I've been on you know, the BBC. How did I do that? Well, I started out with my blog, started writing individual blog posts every day. I uh, got to write for slightly bigger publications, slightly bigger publications, slightly bigger publications. And over time, that built up to uh, me achieving the the success of writing for bigger and bigger publications. So I really believe that everything that I've managed to do has been through just taking, deciding I want to go in one direction. Um, usually it's deciding you want to go in one direction, starting something and working really hard at it. And the end goal is not necessarily uh, where you... Where you um, you don't end up achieving what you hope to achieve. You end up achieving something else. But if you don't take those first steps, then you're never going to achieve anything. So it really is about, okay, I want my life to be more successful. I want to achieve more things. I want to achieve more things in different directions. Deciding on some directions you want to go in, some things you want to try and achieve, and just saying, okay, what are the first steps for me getting there? Um, yes. You can improve your chances of success by understanding uh, where you want to get to. What's the best path for getting there? What are things that are going to make you successful along the way? But it really is just, okay, one foot out the door, getting on with today, look, focusing on what's going to make you successful today, uh, what's going to make you successful in those first steps and taking those next steps. Very good. We'll, we'll end the podcast there because I think you've kind of given the uh, the exact message that I want to get out of this. So thanks uh, thanks for that, Murray. No, I'm joking. We, we'll definitely get into more detail. Um, a few things came up for me when you were mentioned that, that I'm actually... Uh, I'm a big believer, obviously, in small steps and, and building um, to big goals over time. What resonated with me was doing, say, this journey uh, of podcasting and outside the day job. The amount of unexpected learnings and benefits I took along the way that my goal originally was to, you know, release 10 episodes and kick that off. But now, whatever, 100 plus more confidence, more perseverance developed so many of those skills and now I'm kind of aware of that. So I know when I'm putting in a, a, a target that I want to work towards, I know there's lots of other stuff going to come along. At what point did you kind of realize that was the case in maybe in your own career? Like, so when you talk about, you know, doing law or, or following your goals, whatever they were, when did that kind of light bulb moment happen to say, wow, I'm actually learning a whole lot more than I expected here? Any, any specific things jump out? Yeah, it tends to be the moments of success. It tends to be the moments, for me anyway, it tends to be the moments of success where, hey, I've actually achieved something. Um, look at what I've managed to achieve. And um, and when you achieve those moments of success, you tend to sort of look back and say, hey, I've managed to be successful at this. I can be successful at things. I can achieve things in life. Um, how did I do that? Where did I get to? And, and where do I want to go next? So actually, and this is for me is a big point. A lot of people, particularly uh, when they're younger, they really try and focus on uh, what it is that they're not good at and try and improve the things that they're not good at. Um, I wish I, when I was younger, I started out also focusing a lot more on what I was good at mm -hmm. and having those successes. And as you get it, like when you're younger, there are lots of things that you need to achieve in life. You need to achieve so many things in life to a, to a degree that you need to, uh, to have to achieve in order to just get by in life 
But once you've achieved those things to to the uh, level which you can be uh, you can function at, I think really trying to find some things that you can achieve which um, make you happy and give you a sense of achievement. Because once you have that sense of achievement and you know you can achieve in different things, it's a lot easier to look at harder paths and harder things to achieve and decide, yeah, I'm going to try and go down that path that I know that I can succeed and so I'm not afraid to take those little steps. Um, and then also you spot other things that people are doing to achieve things. So for my fitness goals, one of the things, two, two things that kind of um, spurred me this year, one of them was a, a work colleague of mine in the office. Before Christmas, he managed to lose 20 pounds and I was like, he looks amazing compared to what he did three or four months before. I want to do that and I know I can achieve it. And then another friend of mine at Christmas posted a, a Facebook post. He literally had a sheet of paper um, and he had 200 lines on it, like one to four and then strike, one to four and strike. And last year he worked out 200 times. Wow. And and he just posted that on Facebook. He was like, I achieved my goal. I worked out 200 times uh, uh, in 2018. And he thought, you know what? That is possible. That is like that. It is. It is practically physically possible for me to work out um, 200 times um, in 2019. It that is a really easy visual way of achieving this. Um, and then I got a couple of buddies, and every day we do a workout. Every day we tell each other that our weight and that we worked out. Um, and that also is really motivational because it it helps to keep you. I think. Just the fact of having to tell someone what you've done for achieving that goal um, is is really good at keeping you focused because they're also sharing the, the fact that they're doing it. Mm -hmm. So you kind of you feel kind of guilted into it on one side because you, you have to do it to to tell them you're doing it, and also it kind of sets expectation and the routine that it's it's going to happen and it, it's you're you're moving it along. Um, for me, I'm not I'm not a uh, I'm not someone who's traditionally into fitness and going to the gym, so it, it's been a bit of a shock to me. And hey, I look, I'm, I was just 45 last month, so it's not like I'm starting this as a spring chicken. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it's been, like I've lost, uh, I've come down from a large shirt to a medium shirt. I've gone down from uh, 30 in, in English speak 34 trousers to 32 trousers, which are now getting uh, smaller. And uh, my wife's like, "Hey, you now have muscles." So, um, <laughs> so from from being like overweight, work, work, weight, and just sitting behind a desk, I'm like a lot fitter. Mm. Who knows where that's going? So, mm. um, definitely that 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 I like really like that visual of just 200 X's on a sheet. Mm. No. Super easy, super simple, and just it's as much the practice of doing it as it is the goal. Sure. I'm actually f halfway through reading the book, uh, The Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg. Have you ever heard of that one? I have heard of it. I haven't read it, unfortunately. It's, I have heard of it, yeah. It's absolutely, if you ever needed that extra motivation to even understand why exactly what you're doing is working, it'll explain it. So we kind of intuitively know, but the science behind it is amazing. Like there's the, the cues of you know wanting to get fit and then the, the actual the reward of feeling good after and then the habit of the routine of doing it is exactly is exactly that there's lots more in it so that's a huge at the moment for me i'm typically when i read a book of that i suppose 
the depth i try to create like a powerpoint presentation as i read it awesome. extracting all the key learnings because i do a lot of maybe presentations and coaching and stuff like that so so it's very very valuable what i'm what i'm striking me and the question i want to ask next is like you're taking a very deliberate approach to losing weight and building that habit you've been very successful in your career in lots of other ways did you take a similarly a deliberate approach in in how you became you know the top one of the top 10 people to know in silicon valley or how you became successful in those roles how did you approach that I took a very deliberate approach to a certain extent, um, and for a reason that it's all about it's all about why you want to achieve the goals. I think mm-hmm. so. For me, the fitness and the losing weight was actually because I wanted to look better. So I wanted to come down a shirt size and I wanted to come down a trouser size. So I have, a, for example, I have a friend who 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 started who wanted to to lose weight and went to the gym, and a lot of people would kind of make this mistake. And so he got a trainer and he, in six months, he was able to lift more weights, but he didn't, he didn't look any different. He just was stronger. And then he gave up because he wasn't really, he didn't really understand his goal. His goal was actually to look better. He went to the gym to lose weight and, and, and get, look better, but he ended up getting stronger. And so you've got to really understand your goals. So I was working in the England and, and traveling back and forth to the US doing, uh, doing, work in America. And then I really wanted to move to America. And I found out you could get a green card, um, a visa, as an alien of extraordinary ability. And the uh, visa, alien of extraordinary ability, is you have to prove to the US government that you have won awards, you uh, judge awards, you're, you have a lot of press about you, you've written for major press, um, and there's a number of other criteria. And so I set out to get, because I wanted to move to America, I set out to get that um, that visa. And so that's why I started my blog, and that's why I started to get um, more and more press about me. And that's why I deliberately had that aim of doing that. Um, and as I was doing that, and companies uh, saw what I was doing and said, hey, you're great at doing this for you, so can we hire uh, you to do that for our company? And so that helped me with my career because I was able to do some because I learned to get press about myself. I learned to write about myself, which was content marketing. Um, I didn't, although I didn't think about it in those terms at the time. I did content marketing for me, um, and as I was successful with that, uh, that was uh, an amazing portfolio, effectively, for um, other companies to uh, CEOs of companies to see. And as a reason to uh, hire me to to do work for them, and so I I set about learning that I was able to be successful at learning that, and um, and uh, that took off, and that helped to build a notoriety for me. When I started out, I started out doing that. I did I wrote two blog posts a day for uh, two years, two or three years, um, whilst doing contracting work, um, uh, whilst based in the UK. That's a lot of content creation. Just, just on that, and just on the, 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 I find it easier to do a podcast than to write a, a a blog post or an article. And I love writing, but I I suppose that even though it might take me longer to do a podcast with a with editing and whatnot, I I just am more probably prone to it. How did you approach getting those two blog posts a day out? And you know, 
was there a, are you a perfectionist versus a good enough person you know so i'd be interested to know your approach to try and keep that momentum going building so i can I, I mean i i don't do that anymore i think i just got i did get burned out with it right is, is the answer um i suppose i just had the goal of achieving of building a successful blog Okay, read an article somewhere by one of my friends who was successful to say that they, you know, you just have to write a lot in order for it to take off. That, and certainly that time, um, you needed 500 to 1,000 articles. And I was like, okay, I can do that if I plot away. Mm-hmm. I was, I, so went, at the early days, I was very much just, just uh, get it out. So it was two articles a day, no matter what. Um, sometimes they were longer, sometimes they were shorter, mainly following news and other things that were happening. Um, I was also fortunate that I did meet some other, this was 15 years ago, uh, mm-hmm. when blogging was still comparatively new and comparatively early, who were successful. I have a friend, Steve Hall, who ran AdRance. AdRance had a, about a million page views a month at that time. Mm-hmm. And he was doing, he was writing four, four articles a day, which is, oh. which is crazy, uh, following, uh, following news. So, my one thing I would say, for, particularly for people who are um, who, who prefer to communicate orally, think about what you're trying to achieve and how you want to get there and what your skill set is and your value is within the content creation process and, and how you get to your end result. So one technique that, um, that I suggest to CEOs, for example, who are very busy doing lots of other stuff, even if they're a great writer themselves, is to think that write, the actual part element of writing and rewriting and drafting and editing and uh, finalizing and perfection is not necessarily something that, even if you have the skills to do, is that where your true value is in the content creation process. So, so for example, you can, um, you can, as a CEO, you could think of ten topics uh, where you, which you could write great blog posts for. You could write some notes, but then you could actually come up with a um, audio um, note file that was ten, fifteen minutes long, kind of like a podcast, and you could give that to a professional writer and get them to actually write the written article following your audio dictation. Um, that's something that you can then, and they can, they can perfect that. They can. They, they can write their notes on it. They can work on it for a long time. Mm. But if that if that provides your original thought into it, the end piece, which is a a written piece of content, and you can maximize your value, which is your input, and minimize your time, but still get the end result that you want, that's a much better approach uh, for many people to creating great written content than it is them spending the time actually writing it. Mm. So. Always think about what do I want to achieve and what's the best part of me doing it. In a similar way, okay, you might want a website. You might know what you want. You might see some other examples, but you might not actually be able to design it. You might not actually be able to write it. Mm. But you can give your input and you can make sure you get the end product that you want. Mm. So think about the end product and think about where your value is within the process of getting the end product and uh, and work on that part, the bit that you can maximize your value. Mm. Very interesting. Again, paralleling it to I, I release one episode a week typically because i record it i edit it you know that process takes a lot of time um and then it's kind of the trade-off whether do i want to release more which where the real value is in this sort of conversation to in my mind than 
versus then diluting the value because if you release too frequently is there i suppose in your experience you're saying you know have the 500 to a thousand articles out there is that really an essential to start getting noticed or have you seen is that is the the exception where people might just do it infrequently and just get picked up so i would say that things have changed a lot um in the last uh 15 years um I would say some things that can, and also I suppose my approach to it has changed a lot. So it's very difficult uh, to get a brand new site, a brand new blog picked up. So I would say, think about where you can write as well, where you might have a bigger audience, better audience, where it might be worth you spending more time writing for. Uh, So for example, does the business that you work for have a, a blog which is already established? Can you write for that in your name? which would give you a much bigger audience to get going. Uh, can you contribute to other people's content, such as appearing on uh, podcasts such as this, where um, someone already has built that audience and your uh, your value is adding value to that, com- that, that, that existing conversation where you get to communicate to someone within an audience that someone else has already uh, created, and so that can, if you've got some really valuable opinion, those one or two, um, one or two pieces of content can do a lot more value, can give you a lot more value than having your having start, starting your own content and creating your own process. Um, even writing for uh, local publications, uh, local websites, uh, can give you um, a lot bigger audience than you would necessarily if you just start just started out on your own because it's hard. Getting going is the hardest part. Mm. Interesting. Just to take it back to you, so your your goal moved, right? You, obviously, you achieved your goal of getting to the US, writing yeah. the blogs, getting the, the visa uh, and the green yes. card. At, at what point do you say, right, I've achieved that, then I, you reset the, the target and, and look to a different angle? How, talk to me through uh, the next move or, or what came up there. So, uh, having come to America, uh, I've run, uh, I've done consultancy for a lot of businesses. And then I started um, a, uh, two or three startups of my own, uh, which I was lucky enough to sell. And now I'm working um, at, a, so I did a hosting startup, which uh, we sold. I did a, an online invoicing company, which I was bought out of. I did a tool to build chatbots, which I sold um, a year and a half ago, two years ago. And now I'm working with Turing, my friend's uh, startup. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's going back to going back to maximizing your value. So uh, there are, increasingly there are more, uh, there's more and more demand for software engineers in Silicon Valley and, and around the world. People want highly talented software engineers. And as we get used to working with people remotely, um, people are looking less, less looking locally for uh, for engineers and for talent. They're willing to look globally. So Turing uh, and they finds people from around the world, talented software engineers. We have engineers, software engineers in Africa, in Eastern Europe, in Asia, in South America. We bring them on the platform. We test them for two weeks. Can they code? Are they good at communicating? Will they work on the in the time zones of our clients? And then we supply them to our clients on an hourly basis. Um, why do they? Why does that? Why do they do that? Well, we're finding that, um, for example, uh, if you're if you have a startup that you're trying to build, you might be a great software engineer, but you want, might want people with other skill sets that complement you. 
And just being able to outsource that, getting someone else to to work on that that project or a small part of a bigger project um, or even a huge project, they want to have teams with different uh, types of talented individual. And so we supply those to uh, to companies, mainly here in, in America, but increasingly global as well. Mm, it's a, an interesting that's, model, yeah. That's great from, from, from both sides. So one of the things is that if, you're, if you are working, uh, for example, in India in a tech hub, you're probably already working for, for Google. But we've, we've had feedback from a great uh, engineer in, in Africa who doesn't work live near a tech hub. And he was saying that he was, through Turing, he's been able to work with software engineers from amazing companies in, in Silicon Valley, gain new skill sets that he would never have gained by working on, on local projects. So we've been able to supply um, him with work, with money, with skills, and with new knowledge and new understanding that will you'll go back into his local community where he is, and that will uh, help encourage um, the tech ecosystem there. So not only is, are we helping tech ecosystems in remote parts of the world that wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to work um, on amazing projects, we're also helping amazing projects which will change the world um, which are being built here in Silicon Valley too. So it, that that is also part of the... Um, I mean, I, I see that I was lucky enough to get a, a visa. Not everyone is lucky enough to move to a tech hub or be able to get a visa to their, uh, the place that they want to, want to work. But I think increasingly, uh, globally, we can work from wherever we are, we are on amazing projects if we're given the opportunity. And we're trying to give people the opportunity to, to both work within those amazing projects and have those amazing projects created by creative geniuses wherever they are in the world. Mm. Do you think that's going to have an impact even in the short term or maybe longer term of the actual on Silicon Valley itself and the kind of the physical nature of, of being there? Do you think it'll become less of a, a requirement? Will there be a, a kind of a ripple effect there? I find it, it's really interesting. A lot of places, um, a lot of cities around the world uh, are trying to be Silicon Valley. Um the thing is that the concentration of talent, the concentration of capital, and the concentration of a network effect is really hard to beat, which is why there are so many Silicon Valley companies that are successful. There's a lot of capital here. Um, there's a lot of, of opportunities for growth. If you want to do partnerships with big companies, the headquarters are here. The companies that are going to buy the startups of the future are here. So there are many reasons for the company having roots here. However, increasingly there are billion dollar companies being created which have no office, that have no central office where everyone including the CEO works remotely in distributed teams. Mm. So absolutely, um, there are huge, still huge advantages to being in a tech hub, but increasingly companies don't have to be in one place. And as those companies are successful and gain value, they will also be looking to work with other companies that are uh, distributed, that don't have headquarters. So yes, I think it will have an effect on Silicon Valley, although Silicon Valley still seems to have the um, many advantages that that, uh, that are afforded just by its, its just scale and connectivity, I think. 
Mm. And the the high rent, obviously, that's the disadvantage, I would say, uh, from what I'm aware of. Um, as as you've sold your companies and you know been successful in in you know however you might define it, you become an investor as well. Maybe talk to me about how you started to put that hat on and what you look for when you're doing that. So um, yeah, the thing is, there are so many opportunities here and uh, and great projects. So I've only done small amount of investment in uh, in some uh, small projects. So both uh, individually, uh, I invested in a uh, great company called POC Medical. Uh, I just really liked the, what they were doing and the founder's vision. So they have um, some technology. It's it's basically um, a CD uh, size. If you know what a CD, still know what a CD is. <laughs> Vaguely. Um, vaguely. Yeah. Um, a CD-sized disc, you can put, I think it's, I believe it's 12 blood samples on it. Um, each, testing each sample in a machine that's the size of a CD player, costs about 500 bucks. Uh, approximately, don't, 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 don't hold me to any of these numbers. Um, you can do breast cancer screening uh, for, in a very cheap um, method for doing that. Okay. Uh, this takes a million down, million dollar screening process down to hundreds of dollars and it can be used they, those million dollar breast cancer screening machines have to be used by experts this can be used by uh, much simple technicians and that can save the lives of millions tens of millions of women around the world so for me I believed in the founder I believed in the cause um, they've had some success they've uh, launched very successfully in India um, and so there are a lot of things that are aligned on on that process. Um, I've also worked with um, Strip and Excess Network of Things Fund um, as an advisor to help them uh, advise on in different projects. Investing in companies is um, is taking a lot of uh, a lot of bets and uh, and seeing what uh, what pays off. Mm. Uh, but really, you have to have a great project. You have to have an amazing team, and this kind of the stars need to align uh, for everything to come together for a project to be successful. Mm. Okay, very interesting. When I'm looking back to your early career, when you were a solicitor in, in in the UK, any skills or learnings from that that have stood you in good stead over the rest of your career, and that you feel that you use on a on a day to day basis? I think I think as much the the uh, the struggle of becoming a solicitor was was an audience ideal, and I think going through that training and the discipline of learning to get there um, uh, taught me that the one step at a time uh, counts. I think also the just being um, working through uh, lots of documentation, working through processing things, and, and working through processes at work. Uh, is really useful as a, as a skill set to learn. I think the other thing was that I realized I didn't want to do it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to be a solicitor. I, I didn't like the work that I was doing. I didn't like the environment. And so one of the huge changes was when you when you qualify as a as a young lawyer, your parents are really proud of you. And when you tell when you tell them you're you're giving it up after six years of doing it, they they um. They're less unhappy with that moment, mm. um, but what I would say is that uh, having had that change, I've been a lot happier. And I, I moved into marketing, and I realized that I was 
uh, what I was missing was in marketing, you're dealing with creative people, the creative time in their, in their day. Um, and I wanted to spend my career as an entrepreneur and in, um, in professional life doing creative things with creative people at, at times where, I, where they were, they were positive in their, and what they were doing. And I think that taking that forward, um, during my career and my life and looking for, uh, sort of positive areas to spend time in has, has helped my life be happier, more creative and more successful. Mm. You've worked with probably a lot of really good leaders and great leaders over the years and you're, you're a leader yourself. So, so what would you say are the kind of standout traits or competencies you think that you need to be a, a strong leader? I think it's really all about um, all about understanding. In order to be a strong leader, you need to have an understanding of where you want to get to, what you need to achieve, and then finding the right people uh, to help you achieve that. Find, creating your team who are going to be successful, and then working with that team to encourage and motivate them to help. Uh, you be successful with that project and realize you can't be successful with that project on your own. You've got to have the right team for it. And so how do you find them, inspire them? And you need to be able to say, you need to know exactly where you want to go. You need to understand uh, what you need to do in order to achieve that direction. Then you need to convince them and other people that you are the right leader and this is going to be the right team and they want should want to be on your journey with you. Have you worked? Is there any standout influencer or leader that you've had over the last number of years that you've you've learned? Sometimes you learn some really positive things from. Sometimes you learn things that that's things that you would not do as a as a kind of leader. Anything come up there? Things I've seen that you shouldn't do. If you hire people that that are negative and don't have a a strong fit with your with your culture, um, the the cost of having someone who is not a fit for your team and who is negative on the team massively outweighs the um, immediate hit you might get by removing them. Mm. So I've seen too many leaders who have not fired people fast enough. <laughs> so I would say firing people who are not a good fit uh, faster is a and is is a is a is a downside and also good leaders. Um, Hire and fire quickly. Mm. So, really, like the best leadership talent challenges I've seen are to to find those people who are hungry, who want to achieve, and helping them achieve. In in clearing out anything that gets in their way, um, so that you can achieve. Mm. And I've seen also too many leaders who have um, who've seen success, and then they. Uh, they see the success that the team is having and they think that's their success rather than the team's success and they uh, fire successful people and once they fire the successful people thinking that it was their success, they then, uh, the business does not achieve in the, in the same way that it could have done um, if they'd managed to hold on to that, uh, that successful team. Okay. Well, I I might have caught you on the hop there, but it was a good answer. Uh, so th th I like that one. Um, what triggers for me there, if I, you know, hypothetically have hired people and my gut was telling me very early on that it's not going to work out, but you kind of stick it a little bit. 
I'm big into intuition. I do try to use it a lot. Uh, do you follow your gut? How do you know when to make a decision based on it? it you know, over your experience, anything come up there? I think I do follow my gut, and then I set some. Uh, I set some goals, and I watch out for things that I can go wrong. But I give them the opportunity to to achieve the goals. Uh, whether part of those goals might be uh, simply for them to try and engage better with other team members. But if they're not able to achieve those goals and that backs up my uh, my gut feeling, then um, then I, I I follow that as a, as a route for wherever I'm going with it. Hmm. Okay, cool. I talk about fear on the podcast a bit as well and, and uh, things that scare you. What's your relationship with fear? I think you, I think... Unless you're excited about new projects, and it's both excited about the good things um, as well as the tough things, I think if you're not if you're not driven a little bit uh, by a little bit of fear, then maybe you're not pushing yourself um, to boundaries enough. And I think if you stop uh, pushing yourself, it's really easy to get bored. It's easy to get complacent and bored, and uh, you won't achieve what you can achieve and I think some of the best achievements in life have been where I've looked at things which I've been scared of doing and I've tried to achieve them anyway and sometimes I've succeeded what I plan to uh, achieve sometimes I've uh, failed completely and sometimes I've achieved something else and I think unless you're prepared to to fail and uh, and have some fear in life um, you're not going to achieve what is possible for you to achieve. And I want to try and achieve a lot in life. So I'm willing to, uh, to take on a, a lot of things that I'm afraid of and, and go for it anyway. Mm. Just on failure, um, is there any major learning that stands out from a big failure that you've had over your career? I, I, I like to ask this one because I have a few that, stand out and it's always been very impactful what 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 jump into mind there trying trying too hard to overcome things which i'm not good at and not focusing enough on things that i am good at i think that that led to to me failing to be successful uh a lot of times earlier and also going back to what i was saying earlier um not when i particularly when i was younger not firing people fast enough um, led to lots of difficult situations and um, and lots of challenges. So I would say I would say those things like really focus on your positives. And uh, when things aren't working out uh, with someone at work, and also things aren't working out with um, things in a personal uh, life, take a step back. Why isn't working? Why work out why it's not working out? Working out work out. Can you change it? And if you can't change it, then it's probably time to move on. Okay. So just a couple of maybe quick ones. We're coming up near the, the time limit. Anyway, um, what does the future hold? It sounds like you're in a, a good place. Your you know, work-life balance sounds uh, to be good. I have a, a five-month-old baby. You, your, your, your kid is a little bit older, so I know all about the uh, challenges of trying to balance everything. How do you balance it? And I guess, how are you, what are you looking forward to? What's the next big goal? Well, we, we just moved house um, last week. Lovely. Which, 
which with a, a, an infant was, uh, was, was a challenge. Um, so looking forward to, to settling in, uh, in, in that more. Um, re- really, like, uh, the startup which I'm working on touring is, uh, is, has a very bright future. I'm looking forward to, to really work on growing that and helping. Like, I really like the side of it, helping more people from uh, places all around the world have amazing careers. So I want to do more to help more people. I think I've been successful. I want to help other people, more people be successful in their careers and their lives and just trying to work on, on ways to do that. And as I see like my, in my home life, I, I really enjoy teaching my daughter new things and watching her, the excitement of her uh, grow and develop and learn the fun of doing new things. I also want to focus on helping other people uh, achieve more. So I think that's uh, that's what I'm looking for in the future. No, they're nice, definitely good goals to have. And I guess by coming onto this podcast, you're helping some people do more a little bit as well, uh, sharing some of those learnings. Um, we'll wrap it up, maybe just a couple of quick ones. Piece of advice, any standout piece of advice you've ever been given that uh, sticks with you? What I would say, a lot of people, I think, um, think about starting a new business and they're scared to give up their uh, current job. They're scared to take that first step. I think try and keep your current job um, and try and start your startup on the side while you're working in your current job. Um, but take that first step and find some other good, good team members to be part of that startup. And what you're also probably going to work out soon is that your first business on your own might not be successful. In fact, it's probably going to fail. Um, but unless you do that first business on your own, unless you start that first startup, you won't have that first failure, and so you can't learn from it. So while I wish it's successful for you, I understand it might well fail, but actually that having that first company and that first failure is a success in your journey on becoming a successful entrepreneur. Mm. Have you found that approach different from in the US than in the UK, the mindset? Yeah, I think in the US it's a lot more um, acceptable to be trying new things, uh, whereas in the UK there tends to be the mindset of um, of people not wanting to fail. But I think unless you try, um, you're, you've got to realize that, that statistically most businesses fail. Mm-hmm. But that is the statistically most businesses fail. So unless you try, you won't get started. You, you, you're not going to fail. You're, you're, you probably need to have several failures before you have success. So yeah, I think there is a, a mindset dif- set difference between the UK and between the US. But I think you should try and, and do try those new things. And I realize that some of them are going to be failures, but it doesn't matter. It's those failures that, that get you to the to the success. Very good. The last one, you have a book club or on your website I've been looking at there was a kind of a focus around books. You're an author yourself. Um maybe any books you would recommend for somebody that is looking to maybe step out and go go on their own or, or any specific standout books that you've read and enjoyed that you might mention? Uh recently I read uh Play Bigger. Uh, which is a book about a category creation, uh, which I thought was uh, was really inspiring. Um, it's about the way that, for example, um, Salesforce uh, decided that 
on-premises um, software was was not the future, but but everything in the cloud was the future, and how they built that category and that new way of thinking about things, how um, Uber didn't set out to replace taxis, it uh, set out to change the way we uh, think about transport. So from the thinking about thinking about having a big company, uh, that was a really interesting book. Mm, very good. Who, who wrote that one? No, I actually can't remember. Okay, no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll find the link. I have a book page on the website as well. Um, Murray, that was great. Thanks so much for sharing that. It, it, it always uh, is a good sign when time flies by. Do you want to just give the usual shout-outs of people wanting to check in, connect with you, learn a little bit more? I'm Murray Newlands on... You can find me at murraynewlands.com, Murray Newlands on Twitter and on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you and um, tell me more about your story. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show and I hope that was uh, helpful. No, definitely it was helpful and um, if more people connect in with you, you'll probably hit the 2 million mark on Twitter at the moment. I think you're somewhere close to that. So very good. Murray, thanks so much. Have a great rest of Monday. Uh, it was lovely to chat with you and um, I'll keep an eye on touring over the next uh, weeks and months. I'm sure it'll go successful. Thank you so much. Cheers. Hey guys, just before you go, I'd love to hear from you if anything specific stood out from that episode, something you might take away and try and implement in your own personal or professional life to help make you that little bit better. On the other side, is there anything you think I could do better to make the show even more enjoyable, more impactful and maybe meaningful? So drop me a note, rob at robofthegreen.ie or connect in on any of the social platforms at robofthegreen. We also have a community on Facebook check that out if you're really enjoying the show maybe you could try and leave a rating or a review on iTunes Apple Podcasts app go in there give us a rating let us know how we're doing that'll help with the ranking of the podcast up those charts the more folks that potentially see it because we're high up the better the more that might listen that never heard of it before and the goal of the show is to try and reach more and more people and have that impact more and more so that's down to you please do help me with that i'm not going down the route of hiring podcast promoters quote unquote from other parts of the world because they say they can help with the ranking and i don't really believe them or it's not very authentic help me do it in an authentic way i'd really appreciate it this year i'm going more all in on patreon so it's three bucks a month you can sign up subscribe to rob of the green on patreon.com that will give you access to patreon only content nearly all the episodes of the 864 podcast are on there and new ones will be added only there the one percent better show will have early releases there but will still come out for free on rob of the green.ie there'll also be live shows this year some phone-in shows extra content three euros a month will hopefully the more folks that subscribe allow me to do more and more stuff on there add more and more content at the end of the day that's the price of a pair of socks maybe that you might lose or a coffee one way or the other it's up to you if you want to join you'll still get free stuff otherwise but if you're enjoying what we're doing help us grow help us expand it i'd really appreciate that adding new stuff onto the website all the time there's an affiliates page under the be better drop down check in there there's training courses that you can sign up to more and more stuff will come in over time into season three now of this fun fun journey huge learning hopefully you're getting something from it too stick with it let's keep going enjoy the journey even more have a great day week weekend and thanks for checking it out good luck